0: All right, welcome, in, guys. This is going to be something that I'm going to do a little bit different from other shows that I've done in the past. Well, I guess not really other shows I've done in the past because I've always, you know, had video alongside, you know, whether it's radio or live streaming or, or, or whatnot. I've always had, a, 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 not always, but you know, for the past few years, I've had a video element to the shows that I have created. And since this is the second episode. Of the scouting report, my brand new podcast brought to you by BonjourWithBlythe.com. You can check out all episodes on that website, which uh, used to be the Guys Girl Show, used to be Helmets and Heels. Now it is Bonjour With Blythe because uh, life is all about pivoting and and making transitions, and and that's what we're doing here with this show. Hope to provide the audience with some business and and marketing skill sets to to navigate that you know the wins and losses of the entrepreneurial experience. And and with that being said, I uh, got back into the game a couple weeks ago. So if you notice that this show may have started off with a little bit more energy, I guess a little bit more in, in enthusiasm. Not that I wasn't enthusiastic about the last episode, but I asked for a ton of feedback from the audience, especially my, my, my close friends and uh, fellow podcasters themselves. If they listened to the episode, I wanted feedback and the feedback that they gave me overwhelmingly was to not be so nervous. So last show, I was uh, fairly nervous uh, getting started. Starting off a new venture, a new format is always a little challenging. Especially for someone that came from uh, a, a, an opportunity where I was co-hosting with other people, so you have other people to you know sort of bounce ideas off of, and 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 all that comes along with that. But now it's just me, myself, and I. So using the first show as a great learning experience to jump into right now this next episode, and uh, what we like to do here is to talk about. Uh, different stories, what you might have missed. Uh, review wins and losses over the past couple weeks. In this case, usually it should be a month, um, but with this show, I, I I wanted to experiment with a couple different formats, and and let's just jump right into the first story that we have. And and the first story I want to get into is 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 football related because you know I I do come from a sports background. This is not a football specific topic, but it kind of is. You don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of, of football to share in in this experience and, and or this opinion because a lot of people seem to have an opinion on it. And the ongoing drama of uh, Mr. Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars organization. Now, for those who haven't been following along the story, Jalen Ramsey is arguably the best player for the Jaguars uh, outside of Gardner Minshew, who is uh, on a meteoric rise uh, in popularity, not just at the local level, but the national level too. But Jalen Ramsey has been uh, the best player on the Jaguars squad uh, for a few years now, and he hasn't been happy with the squad so far this year. It's been a super weird start to the season with uh, the Jaguars now being at the you know a two and two record, where even 500, we are tied with everybody else in the division. And But Jalen Ramsey wants out. He doesn't want to be a part of the Jaguars. And there's been a few instances as of late where it was just a really weird week. And and a week after he requested a trade, which was after a, a terrible loss, but Jaguars went up to Denver, beat the living snot out of the Broncos in the second half, at least not on the first half, but in the second half, they came back and won. And Jalen Ramsey did not play that game. And he did not play that game because he has uh well it's quite a week for him so he was out sick on a monday he called in sick i didn't honestly know that football players called in sick for work but i guess it makes sense uh so if if we're following the timeline appropriately the jaguars lose to the texans on sunday and then on monday jalen calls in sick uh he has flu uh flu-like conditions i think it was a stomach flu so the jaguars team doctors hooked him up with an iv got them all squared away but then uh wednesday comes around and he leaves the facility or he leaves the uh jacksonville to go be with uh the his his baby mama uh birth of his second daughter and so he leaves the team indefinitely for for that as he he rightfully should and then he was also sick at some point in the he was he was sick but also injured all during one week span so it's really one of those situations where it's like is he faking sick or is he not is he does he really want out of jacksonville that bad what is he really doing here but he's the type of player that also is is someone who refuses to miss a game and if he can be out there on the field with his guys i think that he's the type of player that will do everything in his power to to get out there with his guys now, what really stirred up a lot of controversy, and the in the point that I, I a larger point that I wanted to get to, was this notion of, you know, sort of the olds. I liked it when I heard that Jalen was missing Jaguars practice and was going to be out indefinitely. Uh, There was no timetable for his return because of the birth of his daughter. And the olds, as I like to say, were going to be very upset about this because that crowd really focuses on, you know, football first and and put the team first. and, And you shouldn't miss any kind of, you know, football game or practice because of a life event. And many fans especially younger fans felt the same way. And when I tweeted about this earlier in the week, it was one of my, oh my God, I feel old moments because I used to be part of that crowd that would say, plan your life events around football. If you have your wedding in fo- during the middle of a football season, Just save your money on the invitation that you would have sent me because I'm not going. Or if you have a baby shower or if you're, you know, I I think I even wrote a blog article about this 10 years ago that said, you know, if you're pregnant and you're going to give birth during football season, you should just schedule a C-section around the game. And I honestly, it's laughable that that would even, I would even type that out in in an article because it's completely flip-flopped for me you know it, it says someone who is is 35 years old there, there are things in life that i value so much more than football and so when i sent out this tweet i responded uh, on behalf of Jalen, saying that i completely understand and i completely sympathize or, or empathize with with someone who wants to be there for the birth of their child i mean obviously that only happens one time so you want to be there and for me it, it, in in my personal situation i i, I I have missed important events. One event in particular is I have a a, a close girlfriend who got married and she got married on uh, a Saturday night as as most couples do and since this was a few years ago and I was working during the season at that time and I had to, you know, be downtown Covering the Jaguars first thing in the morning, our our show started at eight a.m. and we went we were on from from eight to ten a.m. So the logistics of me going to a wedding that was also located uh, a few hours away, the logistics of me going to a wedding that night, knowing how much they party, and then driving back to to be bright and chipper and 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 have you know great enthusiasm as I'm hopefully I, I have for this show, but to have that sort of great. Enthusiasm first thing in the morning, Uh, you can't really do it when you go out the night before. Um, So I chose to skip her wedding and to work and go to the game instead. And I have to tell you, years later, I fully regret that decision because we are still friends to this day, thankfully. Um, she's one of the better people. Shout out to Jackie if, she, if she's listening to this. I, I doubt she is because she sort her eyes will glaze over the second that I mention anything football related. Uh, but that is a situation where I don't even remember what game it was. I don't even remember if we won or lost, but I remember missing her wedding. I remember those stories. I were—I mean, even to this day, they talk about stories from her wedding that I missed. And I missed it for a game that I don't have any recollection of whatsoever. And I honestly regret it. And I, I, I think I will regret it for the rest of my life if, if something happens where they, you know, she gets divorced. And I hope she really doesn't because I love her husband, Matt. So this is one of those situations where life events and, and my opinion on missing those life events for football has changed 100%. But there was a there was a girl that retweeted me and it was actually I I laughed at it because it was me from 10 years ago and she said that she would miss her own wedding for a football game and for a UCF game in particular. So while I, I know that this girl is is smart enough to not plan her wedding and be considerate enough to not plan her wedding during football season, it was one of those moments where I had to s- take a step back and say to myself, wow, that this is one of my first, like, I'm old moments because I'm actually choosing something that is more meaningful than the the, the temporary enthusiasm of of having a good football team. And, and as a Jaguars fan, I, I, I don't really know what that is like to have a football team that, that is really good year in and year out. I have 2017 and uh, possibly this season. We'll we'll see how this season turns out. But I I think that it's sort of just maybe it's because I worked in sports and I went from being a fan to working in sports and then to now being a fan again. I've had that rare opportunity to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit and see how the sausage is made. And The NFL and sports in general is run just like any other business. They are meant to capitalize on dollars, they, they know that as far as the hardcore fans are concerned, they got you for every, se- every, every single game, they have your attention. But what they don't get is that casual fan attention. So you have situations where teams are rewarding, <clears throat> I'm not going to say any names, but certain teams, especially at the local level, will reward those new fans, those casual fans. And they won't necessarily reward the diehard fans that have been there day in and day out through the losing two win seasons to you know AFC championship games so they, they won't necessarily give you the, the the team itself won't necessarily give you that time and attention so if you are going to to choose the team over people that are really important to you, then maybe you should reconsider that. And, and maybe you should reconsider your priorities. But I also think it probably has to do a little bit with with an age thing that as you get older, you, you start to appreciate the, the, those moments and those, the, those times that can't be replaced, especially if it's for a freaking game. And I almost curse there, but I caught myself So my grandmother should should be really happy about that. Um, But I, I think that this goes for a lot of things in life that where you choose to spend your attention, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And that goes for a variety of things in life, whether it's a football game, whether it's a networking event, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And and a lot of those times it has to do with, you know, peer pressure and to going to social events instead of staying home and working on that paper or or staying home and and, you know, working on a YouTube video for example, instead of going out, you know, to happy hour with your friends. When you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And now, going into our next segment, I like to call it "While You Were Distracted," and 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 this is a th- this segment I like to to use those bigger stories that have a bigger focus, but need to need to have a a, a way to drill down on them, and in a way that's easily digestible in our short attention span life. I guess is yeah, I, I'm I'm butchering this open, but just be- just bear with me here because. There were some numbers that were recently released. It's called the top five for money-making podcast categories. And this story comes from Inside Radio. And the story, this is a little clip from, from Inside Radio. It says, the Interactive Advertising Bureau forecast predicts that $678 million will be spent by advertisers on podcasts this year. And revenue will top $1 billion in the next two years. But where are those ad dollars being spent? That's what the team at Vox Nest set out to investigate as it, it examined which categories of podcasts that are capturing the most ad dollars among shows that are part of the company's network. So Vox Nest is a podcast network, and they have a lot of shows on their platform. And so they did this study. On where the ad dollars are being spent within their own shows. So there, this isn't you know sort of widespread, but it is a good indicator of, of how these, these networks are evolving and how the ad dollars are being spent because as sort of a golden rule in life, follow the money. And if you're following the money, then it will tell you that out of these big five categories, sports leads the list with nearly 29% of the advertising dollars spent. So keep that in mind. The revenue is going to top $1 billion in the next two years, and 29% of that ad spend right now is going to sports focused podcast. Now, next up on the list is History takes up nearly 9%. With most of these, I thought this was fascinating. Most of the active users for the History category, they start listening around 10 p.m. at night. So that sort of hints to the fact that people are trying to to maybe learn something right before they fall asleep, or maybe they've just been digesting so much information throughout the day that they're just ready for a little bit of a release. So the history portion of this list takes up 9% of the most ad dollars being spent. Now, in this graph, they also showed a few other smaller categories. So comedy podcast made up 4.3%. Uh, politics takes up 7% of that ad pie. But you have to also consider that this is just the 7% number for politics is just for this year. That will likely increase next year with the election. And, and you know, obviously the 2020 election with the primaries and the actual real election a few months later. Now, two other categories make up, take up a significant interest or uh, yeah take take up a, a significant portion of this pie now they had a culture category which took up 17% and then others a quote unquote others category that took up 33.4% now i reached out to vox nest who conducted this story and i asked him to sort of elaborate on what you know the the category of culture and what the category of others is referring to because i w- i wanted to know what my podcast falls into and th- this being a a a business Marketing-focused podcast, then I I wanted to know where I fall into this. A little bit of sports here and there, but not something that I would call this a sports show. It's it's never going to be a sports-focused show. It's going to have sports tidbits, but not a sports-focused show. So between sports history and comedy and politics. Those are the only named categories on this pie chart. The other two were culture and others. And the other category includes things like entertainment, business, news, which is probably me. Um, And then the culture category includes shows like true crime, education, history, and religion. So just to give you sort of an overall view of where those ad dollars are being spent it, it, this is, it, I mean, obviously the the others category and the cultures category fall closely behind sports. Well, actually, others is more with thirty three percent, and sports leads. The, and, and sports itself, as a solo category, it takes up twenty nine percent to just sort of, you know, compare those categories to each other. So if you're focused on where the money is being spent, it's in those main categories. So that, I think if, if you're somebody who has a show of their own or, or, or thinking of, of starting their own show, that is really good news to hear because podcasters are, are, especially people who listen to podcasts, it's been proven that they are some of the most loyal audiences and they're the most dedicated listeners as well, meaning that, as soon as you drop an episode you have an audience that is extremely loyal to you as long as you're you know you're following standard content guidelines of you know a regular content schedule and, and, and things like that. Uh, but then it sort of leads me into my next topic. And it's, I think what a lot of content creators struggle with podcasters included, um, video vloggers included as well. And, and it's been a recurring theme that, that that I've sort of had to answer over the past few weeks, whether it's at, you know, networking events or, or just simply talking with friends and it, and it's, how do you go about creating content, but now it, and we have, and and I don't know if uh, many of you are familiar. I'm sure most of you are familiar with with a, a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. He is a very famous entrepreneur. He builds businesses out of scratch. Uh, I, I have followed him for a while, and and I he's so, more of a you know like. I would say his public persona is more of a motivational kind and but it's it's motivational in a sense that he is he's a realist and he has an insane work ethic and he pump, he pumps out content like it's nobody's job. and and he's somebody that I have followed and I have admired for a while. Um, actually checked off the bucket list earlier this year when I got to see him speak live at Freight Waves conference up in Atlanta. And and this is and when you see him in public and you probably wonder how does he create so much content because if you watch his if you pay attention to his social channels his blogs emails he is pumping out content left and right uh, but I think so many of us struggle with what to create when to create it and 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 how to create it um, so I'm gonna play a little clip from a video that was just released by the Gary GaryVee team titled How We Created 7 Million Extra Views. And it goes back to the idea of documenting and repurposing content.
1: So before we go into explain how we use a content model, I actually want to explain what the content model is. So the content model is actually a pillar piece of content that we use to break into individual smaller pieces of content. We use the pillar content to reuse reshape, reformat, so we can fit into different platforms. Now, the content model itself is actually available to everyone right now. It's a free 86-page deck that is available on GaryVee.com slash content model. So now we're going to dive into how we use the content model and how you can use it as well.
2: Buying the New York Jets is my ambition. The process of trying is my happiness.
1: So for this clip, we actually had four titles that we meaning Gary and the team came up with. When we presented on Twitter, we actually showed a raw clip with subtitles on it. Over 50% of the audience don't listen with sound on. So this is the first way that we engage the audience. Second, we actually used the poll options on Twitter, which has a 25 character limit, and we presented the four titles in a sequence and we let the community choose which title they like best. By engaging our audience, we're able to create a ripple effect among our community. One, they get to participate in creating content for Gary, so that hypes them up. Two, we give them early exposure to the piece of content, so when the full thing comes out, which is the full pillar content, people will feel more excited and more familiar with that piece of content. And three, it helps our audience feel special, because this is actually an exclusive piece of content that we haven't shown to anyone else.
0: Now, if that isn't, you know, the the, the best advice, probably not, I don't want to say the best advice, but it is really, it's damn good advice on, and it's so practical too. I mean, they, they talk about in that clip about documenting. So creating a podcast, creating a vlog, and that is considered your long form content. But then you take that clip and then you create something else out of it. So you're repurposing that content into an article, into a meme, into uh, quotes, images, uh, and then you use all of that content to distribute the end goal, the end CTA, or the call to action. And and it's LinkedIn, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's email. Uh, You're using those as a end goal channel to direct traffic back to your website in a property that you own or through your social channels. Uh, Gary Vee famously will say, while you're debating the legitimacy of a platform, AKA TikTok, maybe some of you have heard of this platform but haven't actually dived in to that platform yet because you're you're questioning the legitimacy. Is this platform gonna be around for a while? When Gary Vee doesn't question, he just goes to where the audience eyeballs are already at and then uses his same content model on those different platforms, but builds those content, but builds that content specifically for that platform, if that makes sense. Uh, they also talk about the content model, the 86-page the content model, which I will link in the show notes. So whether you are watching this on YouTube or whether you're you're, you're listening to this in, in a podcast format, I'm going to put a blog up on uh, bonjourwithblythe.com. So if you just check out that, it should be one of the latest articles. And I will link and include the 86-page deck of how Gary Vee, uh creates hit all of his content and then uh, not only documents it, but creates it and then uh, distributes it out to his various platforms. It's super in-depth, obviously, if it's a six pages long but it just takes what the clip you just heard it takes that and breaks it out into even more of a a, a detailed format now in in this same video the the how we created seven million extra views video they said that after they've created the content or they've captured the content They say, let's not only listen to how they use Instagram to repurpose that clip, but also listen to the quote from Gary himself on avoiding the pressure to post, you know, sort of that artificial content, like the booty pics and the selfies that when you really want to sell your businesses and services, it's a really fascinating listen. Let's take a look.
3: When we build Instagram clips, we do it in a very specific way. There's four things we try to include with almost every every video. The first being a hook. And that's a three to five second video clip that we move to the front of the video to capture people's attention as they're scrolling through the feed.
2: When I post that, I get 4,000 likes. But when I post my ass or my boobs, I get 15,000 and I can't stop.
3: Next, we include the Sonic branding tag. This is something that we include on every clip. It's a mandatory uh, requirement because Gary's very high on the future of voice, and this is how we're gonna establish our branding on all the videos that we have out there. Next, we craft a title that provides actionable advice. That's something that we've seen our audience responds really well to when Gary provides motivational, actionable guidance and instruction on how to do something.
2: Instagram especially has just captured so many people of a generation. They literally post to maximize likes. They've killed their own creativity. People start creative on Instagram when people start following them, and then they become a robot of the machine because they know it's. Do you know how many attractive women, young women, ask me secretly, like at a conference or in a DM, of like, I really know a lot about health and wellness, but when I post that, I get 4,000 likes but when I post my ass or my boobs, I get 15,000 and I can't stop. And I'm like, okay, how about not having your self-esteem wrapped up in how many likes you get on
3: Instagram? But, But it becomes the machine. Our call to actions are really important because it is the closure of that video. And we really hope that users, after watching this video, will take action. It's the core to every message that Gary has is to do. So we try to close with some specific direction as to what you should be thinking about or doing next.
0: Now that end clip takeaway there is, is the key to, to stop pandering to the like machine. And and I know it's really difficult for a lot of people to, to make that distinction because I, I suffer from it myself. I, I have photos that do significantly better. Than my other photos, it, it, because my audience is technically still a, a predominantly male audience, they don't like seeing pictures of me and my boyfriend. They don't like seeing, uh, not necessarily, they, they like seeing pictures of my work. They like seeing me at sporting events. Those are my photos that get the highest engagement. But I think, and, and I, I, I just mentioned this, that Instagram is gonna start hiding likes. They've already been doing this in other countries. I think Australia and uh, the UK maybe, a couple other countries, but they've started to Hide likes, and the reasoning behind this is that they think that the like count affects people's mental stability, anxiety. Uh, it creates a lot of posting anxiety, and I totally get it. it. It, 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 it's one of those things where you find yourself starting to think about, okay, well. I'm not going to post this right now because if I post it tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., that's when I'm going to get the most engagement. That's when you know that you know even my Instagram insights tell me to post on a Thursday at 10 a.m. because that's when my audience is is most online. But if you remove those likes and you remove that pressure, I think what you end up with is people posting more to your platform. And, and I think brands are still gonna be able to, to see on, you're still gonna be able to see your likes. Um, that Those are the early reports that are coming in is that you can still see who likes your photo and you can still see who interacts with it. Comments aren't going anywhere either. So it's probably going to place a higher importance on the front facing side, to more engagement, more comments and, and saves. You can't, you're still the only person who can see a save, but on, on the flip side, you will, you'll still be able to see comments. Um, as far as like being a, you know, a, the, the public form of that post, you won't be able to see the likes You'll be able to see the comments, um, but you yourself on any picture you post, you'll be able to see everything. Still, it's just only limiting those likes to other people. And and I, I it goes back to the story that I heard a few months ago when when Instagram first announced this is that when they part of the the study that made them change their that made Instagram change their mind on this is they had people who are in who were born in the U.S. studying abroad. And what they would do is this one girl in particular, she would set an alarm for like four in the morning so she could post to her Instagram account in US time. So that way she would get the maximum amount of engagement and then she would go back to sleep. So she would legitimately set an alarm In order to post to her Instagram page, in order to get the most likes, and with Instagram removing the likes, I think it's going to help tremendously with people posting more authentic content. Um, Getting and if you are one of those, you know, the, the the lucky few who are smart and they they have you know a message to share in addition to being attractive, I think that this is going to be. And sort of that next step, that, that next phase for you to say, well, maybe I won't post the booty picture today. And if you do want to post a booty picture, post it. I mean, no, no obviously no one's going to stop you. Uh, but if you have something valuable to share, it's more incentive for you to share that valuable, in, valuable insight, that valuable advice versus let me just post something for the maximum engagement value going into our next segment we're going to talk about reviewing the tape and with this portion what I like to do with this part of the show I like to go over what I've done over the past month and where I uh, where I lost where I won and hopefully you can have some of these tips as key takeaways so you can avoid my mistakes and instead increase your your pathway to success. Uh, but we, this is a safe place here, safe space. and I like to to share my learning experiences. So I would say one of my first learning experiences, and I would say this is a loss and a win, both at the same time because I, I went into this earlier in the show, uh, that my first show, solo hosting, I was very nervous, and I know that you could tell in my voice. Hopefully, you know, this time around, I sound a little bit more lively. I sound a little bit more like myself, and I, I mean, I feel like myself with this show, too. And I, I feel like I, I got there with the last show, um, but this was the first time in a long time that I was like, oh my God, today I get to put together a show plan. I get to put together show notes, because back when I did uh a Tuesday night radio show, my whole Monday was filled with just finding cool stories and, you know, what my unique angle would be on these cool stories, what I think my co hosts would say about them and, you know, my counterpoint to what I think they would say. So it was one of those situations where Today I sat down on the computer. Well, actually yesterday I sat down on the computer to start mapping out what the show plan was gonna be and I was excited. And it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm going to record another show. And I honestly I take a great pride in, in putting together a good show and you know, all the links that are that are needed um, to turn because my my sort of content process is that I record the long form content and but I take the show notes first. So I do my research. I read everything. I save the interesting stories. And then from there, I would say probably my biggest challenge is to figure out how to cut the show down. Because honestly, I want to talk about 40 different things. And I think this also comes with uh, just not maybe doing uh, shows for a while. So this is one of those things where I'm like, I just want to talk about everything and I have an opinion on everything. Uh, but for for my sake and your sake, uh, I try to cut it down into to uh that that i would say my biggest challenge and probably my biggest l right now is to cut out the topics that probably don't make sense for the overall theme of the show so i did take out a couple stories that i wanted to include but maybe i'll include them in the future um but that i would say putting together show notes is is something that uh was a really big win for me this week after i think i took a little bit of an l on my first show uh just because you know i'm still feeling this out uh, it's a new thing for me, but I'm hoping with every show and with your guys's help, I can get a little bit better. I can make it more interactive. You heard some audio clips earlier, um, so I'm hoping that that will help uh, break up hearing my voice over and over again for you know 30, 45 minutes. Um, so, so thank you guys for for hanging with me on the first one. That was uh, definitely a, a, a big learning experience, uh, but it was also a learning experience because I posted that show the night before we had our third quarter podcasters meetup here in the North Florida area. And we had close to, I think close to 50 people show up for for this meeting. And I'll, I'll have a full video recap and takeaways for that in a separate show um, that'll be posted up on bonjourwithlife.com. Uh, but I, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to, to the Buzzsprout team for hosting us because I consider that meetup a big, big win for us. It was uh, it, it was one of those situations where we had podcasters that have been with us since the very first meetup when it's just in, you know, like a local dive bar. And here we are at the beautiful offices of Buzzsprout, which if you don't have a podcast host, or you're looking for a host, or if you're looking to transfer, they're not paying me to say this, but you should absolutely go and, and and check them out, buzzsprout.com, because I have been with them for years. I love that you can push out all of your show to all of these different platforms, Spotify, iHeart, um, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, of course, uh, Google Play Studio, all any, basically any kind of podcast reader that's out there, Buzzsprout will, will, will point you, will point your show to those different platforms. And then it's really affordable plans. And they also have some really cool things in the works, one of which is uh it it's a, a a better advertising experience because with you know the the numbers that I mentioned earlier in the show about how many ad dollars are being spent the majority i would say close to 50% from that study of those ad dollars that are being spent they're being spent on those annoying ads that are auto injected into a podcast so if you ever notice if you're just in the middle of your you know you've set up a good groove you're you got a p- nice podcast on and then all of a sudden like a Geico ad comes on and it's like what the hell I you know I'm trying to enjoy a show and then all of a sudden an ad comes in and slaps you out of nowhere it's a bad user ex- it's a bad listener experience I should say and those ads. Don't perform well for your. It's annoying to your audience. I think it's lazy. I can't stand them. I think it's a, a terrible listening experience. So, but Buzzsprout, going back to my original point, uh, Buzzsprout is working on uh, a, a, a program that they're going to be releasing soon that will be able to connect podcasters with advertisers so that they can do what's called a live read. And a live read is one of those. Um, advertisements where I could be talking, you know, just as normally right now. And then at the end of this segment, what I would do is, hey, I want to tell you a little bit about this mattress company. You know, this mattress company and Geico are probably the most commercials that I hear on a regular basis. But if you're doing a live read, that's a situation where you can broker a deal with an advertiser that makes the most sense for you, makes the most sense for your show, and it doesn't annoy your listener, and it's more likely it's, it has a better conversion rate. So uh, Buzzsprout is is taking steps in those directions where th- th- they're putting the podcaster and the content creator first, and and when you put your when you put the creator first. Especially the creators that put their audience first, then the advertisers that will follow those shows and those people make for a better user experience all around. It's it's more the, the ad dollars are spent more wisely. The user isn't annoyed and immediately switches to the next podcast because they're tired of your stupid commercial. Um, it, it's just it's one of those situations where it's a better situation for all parties involved. So so Buzzsprout as a whole. Is is a great company as, if you're looking for a hosting provider. But we had our meetup there, and it was really, really 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 cool to to see all of the shows especially at the local level. I didn't know so many podcasters were were known in, in in Jacksonville, but it's really really cool to see and and to network. So I I would if you're not located in the Jacksonville area, I would see about, you know, finding a local group in your area because it really is one of those situations where a lot of the times as content creators, especially as podcasters, where we're sort of a, we feel like we're on an island by ourselves and and we're we're doing a show by ourselves, but when you can meet up with other like-minded people who are, are facing the same challenges and 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 want to have this the same aspirations as you do, it's really, really, it's it's almost like a creative kick in the ass that you need. Um, it was definitely for me because. I pushed to release my first episode the night before and I, I think I needed that event in order to push me to make that episode because without that event, I'm not putting out my first episode a couple weeks ago and and then I'm not uh, sitting right here and, and, and making my second episode that that's just you know a little bit better and it's a little bit better because I got to meet up with other like-minded people. Another, situation where I, I would consider this a win, but it could have been a big loss. Now, this hivecon uh, Hivecon is, if you listen to the last show, it's a group of local content creators slash influencers who are primarily focused on, I would say, Instagram. And what they did with this event is they had brands come together, people who worked at marketing agencies, and and some of the top content creators in the North Florida area, they all came together. I would say there's probably about 50 of us that were there, um, but I was invited to speak. But I thought this was going to be a a situation where I was speaking in front you know holding a mic speaking in front of you know seated people um a traditional speech you know um so I prepped all weekend for this speech and then I show up and um it's pretty clear that that's not going to be you know the 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 lay of the land for, for this particular event and I almost had like a mild panic attack because i practice this speech all weekend. I wrote the speech the week before. Um, I was missing a Jaguar game for this event. So it was one of those things like this better be worth it. Uh, and for that situation in particular, what I learned is, is sometimes you just got to wing it. And because when I showed up and it was obvious that there wasn't going to be a ton of people in my little, little, I guess, speech, I would call it a breakaway session. Um, and I had about a half a dozen people that did end up showing up because, A, these are people who likely already have a website and they're just looking for reasons to, and I don't wanna say they're just looking for reasons to upgrade it, but they already have a website and they're probably confused on the next steps to take. So for me personally, knowing that I practice a speech, I kind of just threw it all out the window and sat down at a table and had, you know, face to face conversations with everyone that was there. And that, was one of the more rewarding experiences that I've had in a while because I was able to look at other female business owners and to be able to have a conversation with them and help strategize with them and help them to to to. You know to know that they're talking to somebody who's been in the trenches. You know, I, I, I have a major gripe towards a lot of business coaches and, you know, motivational speakers and things like that, especially the ones that have never been in the trenches. I firmly believe that you can't coach me on something if you've never been in the trenches. Don't sell me some kind of guide, some kind of e-course if you haven't done it yourself. And so for me to flip the script and be able to look at somebody else and tell them, this is how I did it and this is how you can do it too or this is how I would do it if I was you. That was such a rewarding experience because I didn't even need the damn notes. I didn't need a speech for that to 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 have a consultation essentially with with these six women that that joined me. So, I think it's sort of a, it goes back to a lesson learned and, 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 you know, the, the show show notes that, that I mentioned earlier that, that you can prepare until your eyes bleed, but sometimes you gotta be able to wing it. But the fact that you prepared that much is going to show in the tape. Now going into the next segment these scouting reports and the scouting report is is another segment and this is it's supposed to not be a sports podcast but if you notice that all of my segments are really sports themed um so i gotta you know inject a little personality here and there um but a few different uh notes of of where i've been and where i'm going uh, past couple weeks, I've done. I've been uh, lucky enough to do a couple different podcast interviews. Uh, one of them was on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, and I'll have blog posts for both of those interviews dropping soon. But they will be dropping on my Digital Dispatch.io website. That is my trucking and transportation focused website. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's essentially my full time job is uh, web development and growth marketing tactics uh, for focus mainly on. An, companies in the trucking and logistics space. And uh, obviously I, I will help other you know clients in other industries. I, I've, I've done work in construction, home building, um, security, things like that. Uh, so I, I can help in other areas, but my expertise, what I would say is is definitely in the uh, trucking and logistics space. Um, so I'll have each of those shows. And I, when I say each of those shows, there was another show that I, I was interviewed on called The Freight project podcast. And this is from a company that I, I absolutely adore. It's called Sarasis. They have uh, they're they're more of a software technology provider to the industry. And but they have been putting Adam Robinson as their their podcast host and their marketing manager. And he is doing the content game in this space better than anyone that I've seen. So I will be dropping both of those episodes up on different blog posts, up on digitaldispatch.io. And the central theme for both of those episodes was really how do I get more leads? And and it's it's sort of complicated and a simple answer all at the same time, but it's it it goes back to that HiveCon the influencer event. You got to be able to solve your customers' problems. So whoever your audience is, whoever the, the 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 target audience that you're trying to reach, or your target customer that you're trying to reach, you have to be able to solve their problems. Stop writing press releases that are only talk about yourself, and instead flip the script and talk about how you can help your Customers solve their problems. That is the key to business. It's the key to inbound marketing. Um, but I, I, I would say that that is one of the the bigger takeaways from both of those interviews. Is is the main question is how do I get more leads? Solve your customers' problems. That's that's how you get more leads. Whether it's through content, whether it's through conversation, which is probably should play off of both. Um, it's one of those situations where y- if you solve your customers' problems first then the, the the rest of the details and the minor details work themselves out. Um, uh, what's coming up next? I would say I mentioned on the last show that uh, I am going to be working on further developing my e-commerce plan. I Right now, I have a store that was added to my website, but it's more on the client-facing side. It's not on the public-facing side yet. I will. I am planning to open that up to the public right before the holidays because I I, I want to make sure that I have, you know, a, a good strategy in place to be able to to not only present that content but to be able to to follow up with with any potential orders that that or hopefully orders that that come through on that platform, especially with you know holiday shopping season coming up. Uh, I highly doubt that people are going to want to purchase a website product, but maybe that's a good investment if you you have a son or daughter and they they have a or a, a colleague or a spouse or something and and they they want to pursue a business an e commerce business in particular or or start their own own brand a website could be a very good Christmas present if I do say so myself. But um, I also wanted to target the, those New Year's resolutions. That, I know New Year's resolutions, they, they get a lot of flack because nobody ever holds to them and, and things like that. But that's also a very motivational time. And, and what better time to, to get your business and get your strategy up off the ground than, than with your own website. So that, um, specials for that, and uh, I will be releasing those out here right before the holidays. But before all that... I am going to take a little break from the content game and from just the work game and being in front of a computer in general because I'm going to Disney World and uh finally going to be able to check out Galaxy's Edge. I'm uh for those who don't know I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and uh, they opened up in Anaheim. They opened up a a section of the park called Galaxy's Edge up in Anaheim first, and uh, then recently, I think it was late August, Galaxy's Edge opened up in Disney World uh, in Orlando, which is a couple hours away from me. And I purposely planned, on waiting until the crowds died off in order to go like i planned this trip to go from a tuesday to a friday so i can avoid the crowds as much as possible but it turns out that both of these lands i guess haven't had the 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 high crowd anticipation like they thought they would if that even makes sense, but the, the, the crowds have been lesser than, than what they thought they would be. And partially because the main ride attractions haven't been opened yet. Now you have Smuggler's Run, which is the, it's almost like uh, a glorified simulator, but it's in the Millennium Falcon. So uh, as a Star Wars fan, that sounds fucking awesome to me. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's a better situation if there's not a lot of crowds because right now they have these special magic hours. Yes, I said magic hours. And it's uh, park hours that are available to guests who are staying on Disney property. So me being the Disney expert that I am, of course, I'm staying on Disney property. And the park, Hollywood Studios, opens at 6 a.m. that day. So guess who will be online and rope dropping Galaxy's Edge at 6 a.m. on that day me and my very sleepy sleepy boyfriend so hopefully he doesn't kill me um but i i think that um when i'm inside the park itself i'm probably going to be squealing at every single little star wars mention every single little star wars theme so that i'm hoping that that will wake him up a, a little bit i've already planned my my han solo outfit For those of you who don't know, I am a Harrison Ford fanatic. I have dressed up as Indiana Jones and Han Solo several times for various occasions. If you want to see my Han Solo cosplay, you can actually go to guysgirl.com right now. It's one of the top stories on on the website, so you can see the full cosplay that I did uh, just this year um but i there's a few things that i wanted to check out as well there's a food and wine festival that's going on at epcot which is always a great time you get to try and, and and sample food and drinks from all over the world uh then they also just opened up the skyliner which is going to be trans it's, it's honestly it it's it's going to transform How you get to and from the parks, and so it's it's transportation set up. You don't have to ride those buses anymore. You don't have to do the monorail. Um, Lately, whenever I go to the parks, I just Uber because you get dropped off right at the front of the park. But with the Skyliner, it's it's going to take you maybe ten minutes to get to from certain hotels to the park. And and some of these hotels, I uh, I can't. I'm blanking at the name of them. Um, But some of these, you know, more I guess cost-effective hotels now have this transportation option that is going to cut the time in half of how long it takes you to get to and from the parks. Um, so I'm really excited to try out the Skyliner. Also got a reservation at, if you're familiar with Epcot, there's the Morocco pav- Pavilion. And my boyfriend is, is was born in in Morocco. And so that is one of our favorite parts of the park. We, we spend a lot of our time in, in that park. But in the back of Morocco, there's like this hidden door. And you can apparently there's a restaurant inside. I've been going to this park for uh, since I was a little girl. And when you go into the park, it's a it's one of those things where it's like a secret door in the back. And you have to have a dinner reservation. I did not know this until just recently. So guess who made a reservation? And we now have a a reservation at Restaurant Marrakesh. So I will definitely share my review on a future episode of the Scouting Report because I know you guys are all dying to to hear that. And I say dying and I mean you probably could care less about that. Um, but I think for me personally, the, this trip is about deplugging. Deplugging? Unplugging? Yeah. Unplugging is probably what the word I'm looking for here. Um, but unplugging for a little bit and I also want to storyboard Finally, my Peru trip, or I should say, our Peru trip, because my boyfriend and I went to Peru back in January of this year. So I have a ton of video, I have a ton of content that I simply haven't done anything with, and so I'm, I'm, I've set aside time for this trip, especially on on, on the car ride down. That this is going to be the time that I storyboard. I want to make sort of a, a a photo journal of that trip. I, I took notes every single day of that trip. So um, I'm just gonna go back and reference all of those notes from every little moment that I enjoyed from the beautiful train ride through the mountains with orchids growing on on the side of the mountain uh, to, to visiting Machu Picchu, which honestly brought tears to my eyes. Uh, all of these different aspects of of the beautiful country that is Peru I I think about visiting it every single day since since I've been there it's just it's one of the 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 craziest trips that I've ever been on I think we took had 11 flights during a nine-day span just because Peru is just so massive and there's so many things to do and you can literally be in the rainforest one day in the desert the next and and be in a big city and and then visit an archaeological world wonder Machu Picchu, uh, they're all, all within the same trip. So it's long overdue that I share that story. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to storyboarding that on the way down. Um, because it, 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 making content like this, uh, making content like a, you know, a Peru storyboard that that is really uh, something that I, I love to do. And I consider more of a side hustle. In addition to the work, you know, the web design and, and growth marketing work that I do. Now, capping off the end of the show, audience questions, and as a reminder, and as you may have heard in the last episode, I want to hear from you. I want to know your website, your marketing questions, or even just entrepreneurial business questions. I want to know... What questions you have, and then I will answer them live on the show. So if you follow me on social media, especially on Twitter, because that's probably where I'm most active, Instagram a little a little less active, but still active there too. You can follow me at Blythe Brum or you can submit a question on my website, bonjourwithblythe.com. And we got a couple of questions this week. First up, we have from Lurk City, and he says, What or he asks, What are your go-to WordPress themes? Now for me. I like to go through a company called Elegant Themes because they have a tool called the Divi Builder. And the Divi Builder is essentially a fancy Microsoft Word, or not a Microsoft Word, a fancy Microsoft PowerPoint, I should say. And it has a drag and drop editor. And they just have so many features and functionality where you don't have to be a web designer in order to know in order to use their platform. A lot of their themes are built directly into the Divi Builder. Uh, they have templates and a uh, uh, template library with, I think it's more than 140 different page layouts, all of which you can add to your site, all of which they're free. Well, not technically free. I mean, once you pay for your elegant theme, then you're getting the Divi Builder and then you have access to it. But a, a theme will, will run you maybe 15 to 20 bucks one time purchase. And then after that, you can just use that for you can use the you have access to the Divi Builder and they're constantly adding new content in there and they're just overall functionality. So I I would highly suggest to to go with elegant themes and and use the Divi Builder because they're one of those with a lot of i would say their competitors visual builders another one that i've used in the past uh, I, I didn't like that one as much divi builders has a much more of a, a, a friendlier user experience i should say for for somebody like me if you go to the bonjourwithlife.com website uh if you check out the podcast page i just redid that page based off of a template that was in the divi library so i selected it loaded it up on my website made the 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 tweaks where I see fit and and the best thing about it is that not a lot of, of website editing used to be on the back end so you're looking at code and you're not exactly sure how it looks on the front end. The cool thing about Divi is that they have a front end builder and so that way you can edit know the size of the font you can edit the 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 text that's on the page and you can do it and know how it's going to look instantly on your website so if if you need to go to you know wordpress themes start with elegant themes use a divi builder and i i promise you you, you're not going to regret it now the next question comes from brian who writes for a site called big cat country uh he says what would you say are the most important core technical competencies for digital marketing. And he, he adds in some context, someone completely new to the field, should I be proficient in certain applications, knowledge of any programming, scripting languages? Thanks, Blythe. Hope this isn't too broad. No problem, Brian, because I think that from a digital marketing perspective, the the technical skills that you need to know know is google analytics because you need to know how your traffic is interacting with the website and then how you can make changes to that traffic now Google Analytics is, is sort of famous for sending you a ton of data that isn't necessarily actionable all the time. So for, for me personally, I love using a, a tool called Google Data Studio or another tool called Aribi Analytics. And, and both of these platforms uh, offer more of a simplified view of, of the Google Analytics data. And, and Google Data Studio can get it can get really complex but it doesn't have to be. Um, so it's it's one of those tools that that you sort of it, it is there is a little bit of a learning curve but I would say knowing inbound marketing practices and methodology, knowing how to get visitors to your site without, you know, doing spammy things and then knowing how that traffic is interacting with your site is key. To digital marketing. Um, But as far as applications, programming, scripting languages, things like that, I know JavaScript and CSS are huge with what I work with, but JavaScript and and compressing that JavaScript, there isn't really a way that you can compress JavaScript because a lot of Java is is tools like Google Analytics, uh, Tag Manager, uh, AdSense, um, even like retargeting ads, things like that. That that's all programmed through Java, and and it's also one of the biggest hangups for a lot of websites, and and what makes them a little bit slower. Uh, so if you're looking for languages to focus on, I, I would I would probably suggest both of those two things, but. Working with WordPress and, and working with the people that I do, I farm a lot of that work out because you can honestly find as uh, so many developers that are proficient in those languages that I don't even really mess around with. with the I, I know a little bit still, but not as much as I used to know working in a day in and day out. Nowadays, it's one of those things where I have a tech team that I work with and I just... At tell them what I want and pay them at the end of the month. So if you're going, if you're focusing on digital marketing, I would put most of my effort into figuring out your end goal or figuring out your client's end goal and then using Google Analytics and, and inbound marketing to to reverse engineer that traffic into your end goal. So so that's where I would put most of my energy is inbound marketing methodology and Google analytics because if you don't prove your if you don't prove your ROI as a marketer, you're you're not going to be in business very long. So that is it for this week's show. I want to thank you guys so much for for checking it out. If you want more episodes from me, you can check me out on YouTube. Just search for for Blythe Brum on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, interact with me, ask me a question, uh, and I will do my best to get them answered on the next show. Until then, you can check out more of my work at bonjourwithblake.com. Thank you guys again, and I hope you have a great week.